Amen. Be seated. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. Grab a Bible. Open it up with me to John chapter 13 this morning. John chapter 13. There we go. I thought I was on. There we go. John chapter 13, verse 33. Uh, we are in the midst of a three-part series to kind of launch us into the new 191917. 19, I'm still thinking about Naomi uh, in 2017. Uh, Encounter, connect, go. These are three of the vital experiences that we believe as a church your spiritual life is built on. Last week, Ryan did a great job of introducing us to that importance of encountering God in worship. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of connecting to one another. And then next week, the importance of being sent out or to really go and and have an impact on our world. So uh, it's a great three-week series. I encourage you to, uh, to dial into all three and then to anticipate January 29th when we launch into the Converge series that uh, I think is going to help unify us around some core values of our ministry. If you're new here, my name is Pastor Dale. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. It's my privilege to, to uh, take you to the Word today and invite you to, to pray with me. All right, let's pray together. Father God, thanks so much. Thanks for your precious uh, uh, love for us, your deep love for us. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for the wisdom of it. Uh, Father, even in your Word, you tell us that the wisdom of your Word is more valuable than much fine gold. It is what gives us light and understanding about ourselves, about our life. And I pray today that you teach us, especially, Father, about this theme of connecting and what it's all about. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. When Becky and I were raising our kids, at least from uh, 1995 on, we had moved to Orange County. We moved to the city of Fullerton. And as the Fullerton Church welcomed us, uh, they gave us one of the coolest gifts that we've ever received. Uh, it was at a big uh, kind of welcoming dessert one evening, and in came a guy dressed like Santa Claus, except he was Santa Claus in board shorts and carrying a surfboard. So picture this, all right? Santa Claus in board shorts with a surfboard, and he came in and he just wanted to welcome us to Southern California and to help us get to know the Orange County better. He gave us a special gift for our family. And the gift were individual passes for each member of the family to, what do you think? Disneyland, yeah, Disneyland. And up until that time, we'd been to Disneyland, I think, one time. It had been one of those times when, you know, if I'm going to lay out this much money to go, i got to get every bit of value out of the day. So we were one of those families, and when you go to Disneyland, when do you show up? Answer? First in the gate. We wanted to be like the first in the gate, and how long do you stay? Until they shut it down, until they kick us out, you know, or until the kids cry so much that you got to leave anyway. But, you know, but that's, that was our goal was, you know, you had to really maximize that thing and get the best value out of those, those tickets that you spent big bucks for. And now we had annual passes where we could go any day of the year as much as we wanted to Disneyland. And it was very, very cool. Now, a few years later, 1999 rolled around and North San Diego County got your own version of Disneyland. Answer is Legoland. Yeah, Legoland. Not quite Disneyland, but if you're a young kid, it's even better. I'll never forget, because we had never really gone to Legoland with our kids, but all of a sudden, we, uh, we got these little creatures called grandchildren. And, uh, and one Christmas, uh, our kids who live in Escondido gave Becky and I annual passes to Legoland. 
Yeah. Now, why did they do that? Because they had given their kids passes to Disneyland. And they said, this is a pure date night made to happen, right? Because grandma and grandpa have their, you know, the grandparents have their passes so that you have unlimited babysitting throughout the year. Just take our kids to Legoland. So I walk into Legoland for the first time. And one of the first things I remember was the huge dinosaur. The huge dinosaur that kind of leans out over the lagoon and squirts water. And, you know, and, and, and I did some research this week. Do you realize how many Lego bricks it took to build that guy? Anybody want to guess? 1.1 million Lego bricks for that one big giant character. In fact, then it walked around the corner and there was Miniland. And Miniland had New York and San Francisco and all the different major cities of America represented, right? And, 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 and guess what? How many Legoland bricks did it take to make Miniland? Anybody want to guess? Come on. Play with me. Ten. Okay, that's a little low. Okay. A, a what? A billion. That's a little high. So it's somewhere between ten and, 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 and a billion. Okay. Yeah, Fifteen million. Wrong. But close. Twenty million Lego bricks in Miniland. If you look through the whole park as they keep adding every single year, the research I read, this was important for me to help you know how to follow Jesus. So, so, I, so, I, so I actually looked up, at least it helps my illustration. I looked up how many bricks in the whole park. Anyone want to guess? 57 million bricks and growing year by year. 57 million bricks. Now, Becky and I, obviously, as we were raising our kids, Legos was a go-to toy. We bought so many kits for our kids for Legos. Let me show you the kits that we bought for our kids. Here they are. Yeah, you want to see some of them? Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Steve, you want one? Yeah, this is, I think, an, an ambulance. So there's an ambulance. There we go. Anybody else want one? This is probably a helicopter. You want a helicopter? Here we go. Uh, you got to give those back to me later, though. My kids will kill me. Yeah. Now, the reality is this whole thing is full of a bunch of bricks, and, uh, and they're just all those somewhere in this. There is an airport. There is an ambulance. There is a plane. There are rescue helicopters. There are, there's a castle in here. There's all kinds of things in here. but I can't see them. Why? See, what's missing? They're just random pieces. When they were designed to be so much more. So can't help me out. Bring, there's something sitting on the front, front chair there. Be careful picking up that house. Just the house. Right, so you bring it all. Bring it all up. Bring it all up. Thank you, my man. All right, can you give Kent a hand here? This is what it means. To be an elder at our church, you have to do things like this, okay? Yeah, let me see if I don't drop it. Okay. Yeah, so this is the Christmas house. The Christmas house. The Legoland Christmas house. There's a, uh, let me have the other one too. Yeah, so this is the uh, rescue boat. There's the rescue boat. And notice on the side, the name of the boat is Ian 11. Uh, this was built by Ian Rosenbaum, my Lego master builder this morning. And even if you look inside, I mean, there's details even inside of the house. I can turn it around here without dropping it. I mean, there's, uh, there's, um, there's, there's a man sitting in a 
recliner in the living room. Um, there is a woman in the kitchen. Now, what's that represent? You know? Uh, okay, so anyway, Ryan, you need to get off your recliner and give Sarah some help in the kitchen. That's what I think. Okay. So anyway, yeah, but, but it's really very, very cool. And you got a little dog, you got a little cat, you got a little dog, you got all these incredible details. Incredible details. So, as long as I don't bump that off, we'll have a good morning. What's the difference in that and this? It's assembled. It's connected. What else? What's it take to turn that basket of random bricks into something like this? It takes a plan, it takes work, it takes effort, it takes a builder. So someone's got to design the plan, someone's got to do the building, but it takes all those individual pieces assembled, not just randomly, but in the right way, in the right order. I mean, if you're like me, many times I'd get one of these little kits and I'd think, you know something, I don't need to look at the directions. I I can just look at the finished product and start building, right? What happens when you do that? Frustration frustration it falls apart you have extra pieces and it probably doesn't work so so the reality is this the reality is this god is in the business of building his church god is in the business of building something of beauty building something that has purpose building something that can accomplish something But to do so, what does it take? If you picture each of us as individual Legos, each of us, and and by the way, these are valuable. Every little Lego is valuable. I used to think, oh, well, big deal if you sweep one up in the sweeper, right? Becky and I actually took one of the kids. I did the math. Every single little piece of that Lego was 17 cents. You know, and, and on a pastor's salary, that's money. That's money, right? So, you know, I told Beck, from now on, when you hear that little sound when you're sweeping the carpet, you know, you go, oh, no, stop. I mean, stop. Pick the things up. Cut the bag open, whatever. You know, don't lose any little piece. But the pieces are all different. They're all different. You and I are different. But God is building something even more spectacular than many land. But think of many land like the kingdom of God. God is building his kingdom, but to do so, he's got to somehow take all of the individual pieces. He's got to figure out how to fit those together. And what's it take for us to move from being individual pieces of the body of Christ to being built up as a house, a temple for God to really empower and work through? That is is the question this morning. So let's go. Let's go to Matthew. Or let's go to first start. Uh, let's go in John 13. Then we're going to go to Romans chapter 12. So take your Bible. Take your handout that we give you to take notes. Stick one of them in Romans 12. We're going to be there for most of the morning. Father, teach us from your word and help us to see uh, what it takes for us to really connect in a meaningful way. That's my prayer. Listen to the word of God. Verse 33, chapter 13, John, little children. Jesus is talking not to a group of kids here. 
This is not a gathering of children. It's a gathering of his, of his dearest disciples. He's got his inner circle of 12. And he goes into the upper room. This is just days before he's going to die on a cross and be resurrected and go back to heaven. And in light of that coming death, resurrection, and ascension back to heaven, this is what he says to them and to us. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me. That is, after I leave. And as I said to the Jews now, I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, I leave with you. A new commandment that you love one another, even as I have loved you, so that you love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. When Jesus talks about launching this thing called the church that we're privileged to be a part of, he begins with this statement. Even before he leaves, he says, I'm leaving. I'm going back to heaven. You're not going to be going with me. You're staying on planet earth. But I want to leave you a new commandment. When you're about ready to leave and go back to heaven after spending three years with your dearest disciples, you save the very best for last. And in this sermon, beginning in John 13 to John 17, we have what is called Jesus' final great sermon with his disciples before he died. And in this sermon, he kicks it off with this statement, a new commandment I give to you. Now, why do you say that? Jesus repeatedly over their discipleship had often taught about the importance of love. He had taught about what love does, how love behaves, this and that. He had often said that the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But why does he call this new? He calls it new really for two reasons. One is he directs it directly to their relationship as this new entity called the church that was about to be born. And it's new because he adds this phrase, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. It's that phrase that really gives it that extra quality, that extra dimension that Jesus is is new. He says, and I'm about to show you what that means. He's about ready to go and give himself as a sacrifice on a cross And then he'll be buried, and on the third day he'll rise from the dead, he'll ascend back to heaven, and he says, it's what you're about to see me do. I want to show you what real love looks like. I want to show you the sacrificial, unconditional, even though you curse me, I will die for you kind of a love. And Jesus says it's that quality of love that's going to define us and set us apart as Christ followers. What you might say is this. That call to love, that we are called to love one another, is literally the glue that holds this thing called the church together. It's the glue. Now, in my Lego metaphor, we don't have any glue, right? So there is no glue that holds this together. So here's my question. What is it that holds this boat together? Answer? There's no glue. It's friction. Wow, there's always a scientist in the crowd. That's good. Okay, yeah. It's friction. But where's the friction come from? The connectors. These little connectors. What are the connectors called? Does anybody know? Okay, I call them the dots, the bumps. I've always wondered. I had no idea what they're actually called. There is a name for them. There was one Lego aficionado on the front row in the first service that, that, that knew. Anybody know? Come on, some Lego fan has to know. 
Okay, someone's already Googling in the young adult section. I can see it happening. Okay. You know, they're called studs. Now, that's kind of humorous if you think about it. Yeah, okay. So, you know, you, you, you need to... I got ready to say love like a stud. But anyway, 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 but they're little studs. They're called studs, yeah. They're called studs. And these little studs, these little bumps, intersect with each other. And as they do, due to friction, I'll give you that, they hold together. And that's what holds this whole thing together. This whole house has a slanted roof and everything else and a, and a light post. I didn't even notice until now the, the little boy, little girl up front. Little girl's giving her pretzel to the little boy. I'm not sure what's up with that. But anyway, you know, maybe she's trying to romance him. But the reality is that you know, it's those little tiny bumps that the Legos have that hold them together. And I believe that represents the glue that holds us together as a church. In our lives... We are called, every one of us, to love one another as I have loved you. By this, you become something bigger than yourself. By this, you'll be my disciples. By this, you will be my church. By this, you are bonded together. Now, when you actually begin to live that out in the life of the church, John 13 doesn't go into detail. But Romans 12 does. So I want you to jump now to Romans 12 because what we learn is is the love that holds us together is our call to love one another in John 13. We are called to love one another in John 13. But now you go secondly to the fact that we are actually created to need to love one another. Listen to the Word of God, Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, let me get there. Romans 12 begins with where Ryan left off last week, and that is our call to worship Christ. So let's pick it up there. Verse 1, therefore, therefore, in light of chapters 1 through 11, in light of what you've just learned, that you are all saved by the grace of God, rescued by the grace of God, forgiven of your sin, given new life, and receive his spirit, all by the grace of God. You are saved and secure by His love, by His grace. You don't earn it. In light of that, what's our response? It's a response to worship. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, verse 1, present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. At the heart of worship is me saying to God, God, I am yours. Ryan did a great job last week in Isaiah 6 pointing that out, where Isaiah is humbled by his own sin. He's humbled in the presence of God. God sends an angel to remind him that he's been cleansed by God's grace and forgiveness. And Isaiah says, here I am, Lord. What? Send me. Send me. One of the things our elders like to say here, especially Bill Buchanan, is that we are 100% sent. That followers of Jesus, it's not just pastors and missionaries that are sent out into the world All of us as his church are 100% sent. God has purpose for us. But yet we're not just designed to be sent out alone necessarily. We are designed to connect because we are called to love one another. Secondly, we we are created to actually need one another. Now pick it up in verse 3 after the call to worship. He says, for through the grace given to me, verse 3, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. 
What's he mean by that? As God has allotted or given to each of us a measure of faith. What's he mean by that? Verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, connected to one another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, good reminder that the spiritual abilities and grace and talent or gifts that you have, you did not earn them. They're a gift from God given by His grace. We're all different, but the uniqueness of each one of us is we have experienced the grace of God. We've been given different gifts. He lists some of them. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, verse 6, each of us is to exercise those gifts accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of faith, if service in your serving, if he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts or encourages in his exhortation, he who gives, do it with liberality, he who leads, lead with diligence, he who shows mercy, do it cheerfully. But what he's saying is this, all of us are different Legos. We have different shapes and sizes and purposes. And, and every one of us, however, have something to offer. And what he's saying is, you know, this little set of wheels, for example, really needs this little yellow dinghy to stick to this guy. And then you can add this guy. And then you can, I, I can't do this in the middle of a sermon. But anyway, if, if next thing you know, next thing you know, well, what, what happens? Whoa, looky here. You got an airplane. Now, that's my quality Lego kit right there. Yeah, this was built by me this morning. I knew planes have wings, they have a tail, and they have doors. So I found the best door I could find and stuck it on there, right? Now, you think there's a better way to build that plane? Yes or no? So what's my problem? What's my problem? Well, it's not aerodynamic. You really stay with the scientists too much. Okay, yeah. Okay, but what else? Huh? Oh, there's no pilot. Okay, you guys are getting way ahead of me. Why is this not a really cool-looking Lego plane? I didn't follow the plan. Thank you. I didn't follow the plan. I didn't listen to the designer. Because there's a master Lego designer somewhere, and he, he studies and understands all the different Legos and how to use every little shape of Legos, and he's laid out a master plan for this jet airplane, and, and he's laid out step by step follow my directions, and you have an incredible jet airplane. Or, you can do it Dale's way. Now, some of you are thinking, yeah, but that's more fun. So I'm not saying you can't, but for the purpose of the sermon, this is not God's will. This is settling for way, way less than God wants in your life. So where do we find See, when we listen to the Word of God, we find His plan. We find His design for us. We recognize. That's why He says, let each man not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, as if you as one little Lego can go out and conquer the world. Don't be prideful, but think so as to have sound judgment. Verse 3. Knowing that God has allotted to each of you a measure of faith. God has done something unique in your life to shape you 
to fit like a Lego with others in the body of Christ. And you know what the other cool thing about each Lego piece is? See, this little piece is designed to receive love and then it's designed to give love. You know, it's designed to connect to others because it needs to be connected and then it, and then it becomes a platform to which others can connect, can connect to it. So we are all needy and we are all needed. That's how it is in Legoland. That's how it is in the kingdom of God. That's how it is in the kingdom of God. Thank you, because I do not want to step on a Lego. That's 17, that's, wow. And the wheels are really expensive, so I don't know what that's worth. Thank you for rescuing me. You're connected because you need one another. Be humble, be wise, be appreciative. Number three, we connect because we are designed to grow together in love. What God wants to do is to build something incredible, but it really takes us doing it together in love. There's another cross-reference, which I really like, in Ephesians 4, 16. This should be in a Lego manual somewhere. It says, the proper working of each Lego, <laughs> whatever, building is, requires the working of each individual part, which causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. See, that's Ephesians 4.16. It's teaching the same concept that we're seeing in Romans chapter 12. But the glue that holds us all together is love. So how do we love one another in a way that we not only fulfill our needs, but we also grow into something that God can use, that we're growing together in love. And this passage... Uh, beginning in verse 9, really all the way through verse 21 now. I'm not going to read every verse, but let me show you some of the different forms that love takes. Verse 9, first, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Don't lag behind, not lagging behind in diligence, so work at it. Be fervent in spirit. Put some energy into it. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Let me pull up there and draw some of this out. Several forms of love. Number one, he says, love without hypocrisy. That means be real. To have healthy relationships and to grow in your faith, you've got to be real. That phrase, without hypocrisy, the word hypocrisy in Greek means to speak behind the mask. It was a reference to the Greek theater in those days where in these huge outdoor amphitheaters they would, they would put on a play and the actors, instead of literally acting and showing emotions because they didn't have big screen TVs, right, to, uh, to project you up onto the screen and zoom in, so you're watching it from a distance. So the actors had these huge masks that they would hold up in front of their, their, their body, their face, that portrayed their emotions. And their emotion behind the mask may be totally different. But they'd have a laughter or a tearful look or a happy face or whatever. They had these masks, okay? And, and kind of like emoticons, you know, or whatever. But, but they, they had these big masks back then. And, and, and he says, don't love like you're behind the mask. Let people see the real you. 
And I don't know about you, but that can be a little bit scary. Especially if church is defined only as when you gather for worship. Where you got a couple hundred people in a room and you say, Do we want to call you up one at a time and say, I want you just to be honest and just share exactly what is the deepest thing that you're struggling with in your life right now? Most of us are going to say, you know something, Dale? I'm not ready for that. I don't feel safe enough for that. And I really wouldn't blame you, and I actually wouldn't ask you to do that. But it's why that every healthy church needs to not just encounter God together in worship, but we need to connect with one another in love in smaller groups. We call them life groups. They're groups where you do life with other people. You can share your life. You build friendships. You know, eventually you get to know each other, and out of those friendships there's trust and there's an openness and a vulnerability where you can begin to be real and be yourself and come out from behind the mask and let people love you the way you are. But to do that, you need to go on in this passage to the second form of love. For love to be without hypocrisy and be real, you need to feel loved like family, where there is a sense of commitment to one another. Listen to the commitment phrases in verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. There's the family element. Love like your family, even though technically you're not of the same earthly family. But spiritually, you're, you're a family. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. You don't come to try to say, hey, let me tell you what's so great about me. I want to be honored, but you give honor. You, you prefer giving honor more than being honored. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Really working at it. Serving one another. Serving the Lord. That's, that's the type of family type of love. And when you know that, it's easier to be honest. It's easier to be real. And, and that happens best in our life groups or our small groups. That's why they exist. It happens best in things like men's groups and women's groups and even some of our other ministries like MOPS and, and other ministries where you get to build relationships. You experience love. You give love. You latch on to a Lego and you let other Legos latch on to you and you build something that really changes your life. Love without hypocrisy. Love like family. This uh, love with brotherly love is something I understand because I grew up with two older brothers. Now, earlier in life, I really questioned whether they loved me because I thought their major purpose for my life was I was the little brother they could pick on. Literally, to this day, when I get with my brothers, once every two years we do a sibling vacation. Just the four original Burke guys, three guys and a girl, okay? There were three uh, Burke guys, me, my two brothers, and my younger sister. You know, and, and we get together, and they still laugh. They still laugh about the joy that was theirs in scaring me as a little two- and three-year-old when I would walk down the hall in the dark and they would jump out and scare me and watch my, as my brother described it, my chubby little legs run for the parents' bedroom. I mean, terrified me, scarred me for life. 
So fast forward, I'm a junior high kid, not the most secure part of my life. I get in a fight one day in our front, just across from our front yard, I get in a fight with another neighborhood kid, and I'm winning for a change. I'm on top of the kid, holding him down, saying, if you don't take back what you just said and did, I'm going to pop you. And I'm literally posed over him. I look off in the distance, and a red-headed guy, high school guy with big red hair, picture, who's the snowboard dude? Um, yeah, Sean. Okay, yeah, excuse me, Sean White. Okay, although I saw him, he had his haircut. Disappointed me. But anyway, Sean White in his glory with all the red. Okay, this guy is coming across the field running to rescue the guy I'm holding down. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm in trouble. I see my older brother, Marshall. Now, my older brother, Marshall, you've got to know this. He's four years older than me. He's in high school. He's the middle linebacker on the football team, and he's a candidate for all state. So he is a stud, and he's not even a Lego, okay? <laughs> he's, the other type, he's the other type stud. So he's coming, and I see my brother get out of his chair and come running across the front yard toward me. And my first thought, honestly, was, you know something? He wants a piece of the action. You know, he wants to beat up on me too, you know, because that's what he does. You know, and all of a sudden, though, he intercepted. He came between me and that other guy, and he stood that redhead down, and he said, you don't touch my brother or you're messing with me. I went, yes. That's brotherly love. I said, man, I got your back. Even if you're my little squirty brother and you bug me at times, I will come to your defense. That's brotherly love. That's being devoted to one another, giving preference to one another, honoring one another, that type family relationship. That's what Jesus did for his disciples. That's what he calls us to do for one another. Now, is this easy all the time? Answer, no. In fact, there is a warning in the text of Scripture that you should notice. The next three phrases are not forms of love. They're reminders that this is going to take work. Here they are. They're not on the screen, but they're in the text. He says, be diligent to do this. Be fervent in spirit. You've got to put your heart into it and do it as serving the Lord. And the reason he says that is amazing. It's because when it's hard to love some people, then you just got to work at it. You've got to be diligent at it and do it as a service to Christ. See, what that taught me this week was this. When people are hard to love, and sometimes they are, sometimes I am, when people are hard to love, so it's hard to be motivated to love them, do it out of service to the one who loved you. Do it out of service to Christ. If you picture loving others, not just for the sake of that person, you do it for the sake of pleasing and honoring the one who died on a cross for you and me. That motivates me in the tough times to love. Well, the passage goes on. Just a quick overview. The third thing is you love through tough times. That is, God wants us to be a church that has groups that are like a refuge for the hurting. How do I know that? Well, the next four phrases all refer to love in the context of problems. He says, rejoice in hope. In other words, offer hope to one another. Persevere in tribulation. Give encouragement, in other words, in times when you need to hang in there and persevere. He says, pray for one another. In other words, be devoted to prayer. 
contributing to the needs of the saints. That's loving one another physically. I mean, giving things, helping one another, contributing to the needs of the saints and caring for one another, being generous. See, all of those, hope, encouragement, prayer, care, these are forms of loving through tough times. So we love each other through tough times. We love each other because we need it. We love each other because we're family. Number four, he gets even tougher and he says, and also I want you to love strangers. I want you to be a place as a church that welcomes the stranger, welcomes those who are lost and wandering when they, when they show up. Where do you find that? It's the last phrase in verse 13. Practicing hospitality. That's not just about throwing a party. The Greek word hospitality means to be a lover of strangers. So when you meet people that are not like you, that are not part of our church, they're, they're, they're a little strange. They're the unknown. They're the outsider. He says, be a welcoming place for them. And I know that's one of our passions as a church, is for this church to be a place that welcomes those who are looking for family. They're looking to come home to God. They're looking to connect with someone and experience the love of Christ. We're to be that. God doesn't want us to use my metaphor. You know, one thing about Legos I've learned is this. Here's a little Lego with eight little studs. When... When I attach Legos to this, once all, once all eight studs are covered, what happens? Can it, can it receive any more? No, it's used up, right? And I think relationally, a lot of us are like that. we got so much relational energy, so much relational capacity, some love capacity, and, 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 we, and we begin to connect up with all of our friends. Here's the danger. Never fill up every single little stud in your life. Leave a little room to connect people that are looking to experience the love of God. Leave a little capacity for connection. And then let others connect, connect up. It's tough. It's tough. But he wants us to do that. Lovers of strangers. Then he goes on in verses 14 and following to add two more. Love your enemies. He says, when people persecute you, bless them instead of persecute them in return. Never seek your own revenge, he says. Love those who persecute you. Now it goes from loving strangers to even loving those that disagree with us, that are different than us, that that are really perhaps in opposition to us even. And then lastly, he says, never seek your own revenge, but give the love of Christ in return. In other words, love with grace. Loving with the undeserved, unexpected, undeniable acts of love regardless. Why? You're made for it. You're created to be loved and to love and to become part of something that's way cooler than just your little life. You become part of a rescue boat. You become part of a home, part of a family. That's made for connection. We're going to move into a time of communion now to wrap our morning in worship. And as the band comes to lead us, uh, as we move into communion, think of it like this. Communion is us remembering that the foundation of our very life is Jesus. He died on the cross. That little wafer of cracker 
reminds us of the broken body of Jesus given for you. The little cup reminds you of the blood of Christ given for you on the cross. He is our foundation that we build our life on. He is the foundation we build our church on. In some ways, it's kind of like in Lego language. He is that big platform that comes with every Lego set that you connect to and build on. He's the foundation. Take a time to appreciate all that He provided. Fall in love with Him again. Commit yourself again to Him. If you've placed your faith in Christ, we invite you to go to one of the tables, spend some time alone with the Lord as we worship. Pray with me. Father, thank You for this challenge to be a body of believers that love one another, that connect to one another, Thank you for how you use our life groups and the other small group ministries in our church to help make that happen. And Father, I pray now that as we spend our final moments here celebrating your your death, your resurrection for us, thank you so much that you sacrificed for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being that sacrifice that gives us life. We love you and we worship you now. In Christ's name, amen.